At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Jenny Beasley of Heart for the City Community Garden to talk about her experience with starting a community garden. Jenny received her certification as a health coach at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City, along with her Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration from Northern Arizona University. She is currently the director of Heart for the City Community Garden, located in Glendale, Arizona. She became involved with Heart for the City seven years ago, a nonprofit that helps change lives of inner city at-risk youth by walking life with them. She was asked to spearhead a half-acre community revitalization project, a community garden, in which they educate Title I school children and their families on gardening and provide families ways of growing their own healthy foods. She decided to become a health coach to fulfill her passion of working with individuals to enhance their own well-being. Welcome to the show today, Jenny. Thank you, Greg. I'm really happy to be here and to share uh, you know, our story about the community garden. Nice. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? I was became involved, like as you said, with Heart for the City about uh, seven years ago. And I just started uh, volunteering for them, I created a tutoring program. 
And a couple of years later, I was asked to spearhead a half-acre community garden, and I really didn't know what a community garden was other than that it involved community <laughs> and gardening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so at the same time, it just was perfect timing because I started going to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and my eyes had been opened up to um, what some terms that I had never heard before, like genetically modified foods, you know, foods that are not good for you grown in, a, you know, made in a factory versus whole foods, you know. And so I, my world had just been opened and everything happened at the same time when I was asked to spearhead mm-hmm. this garden. Mm-hmm. And so I, of course, said, I would love to, let's do this. And I, I like to share this story that, you know, kind of cracks me up every time I tell it. But I really thought it was going to be, you know, two months and we would be, you know, having plants in the ground, everything would be working, you know, and people would be coming out to the community garden. And so here I am three years later, and I just start now to feel a shift of the community getting involved. And so that's a whole other story. But really, that's kind of the process that I went through. And it's been a really growing experience for me. Oh, I like how you slid that in there, a really growing experience. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about Heart for the City and why did you get involved with this nonprofit? Heart for the City emphasis is inner city kids or inner city at-risk youth, and they walk life with them. And what that means is they feel that programs don't work in the inner city kit, you know, inner city, but relationships do. So that really... um, tugged at my heart because um, they do it in so many multiple ways. They serve, see about over 2,000 inner city kids a year and through activities, you know, sports, football, and volleyball. And they also um, have a community center on Rose Lane in Glendale and a Java Grounds Workforce Employment. And of course, then we have um, the community garden. And so Heart for the City is really, I just love the fact that they are, you know, walking side by side and mentoring kids and making a difference in their life by showing them, you know, that they really care in a positive yeah. way. And they also have kids that attend a, a school, also like 43 kids that they travel hundreds of miles a day round trip. And so you can see that they're involved in so many areas in the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been to Java Grounds before. Tell us a little bit about it, would you? Yes. So it's a workforce employment. So some of the kids, they've never had the experience of, you know, having their first job or even knowing about how to put a resume together or how to go through an interview. And they are able to go to Java Grounds and get this experience and, you know, in a positive environment. And they are given different different type of jobs. You know, some are in managerial positions, some, you know, so they're all learning different things, but it's really a great way to get them introduced to the workforce environment. Mm -hmm. Cool. So Heart for the City does multiple things and you were involved pre-garden and then this garden project came along. Can you tell us about that moment when this garden project came along and they started you know, tapping on your shoulder and say, hey, Jenny, why don't you do this? I sure can. So they, again, they asked me to be involved with the garden, and it it just didn't seem like a huge project to me at the time. And the reason they wanted, they, they came up with the community garden is they there was a, a blank or a piece of lot 
behind a fire station, 152, uh-huh. and they were constantly having to water it because of the dust. And so the uh-huh. fire chief and Joe Eriquist, the founder and director, said, you know, hey, let's do something positive with this piece of land. And they came up with a community garden, and then that's when they tapped on my shoulder and asked me to be involved. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I've been there. I, In fact, I'll just, for full disclosure, I helped on this project with you guys. And that's why one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because it's such a cool, cool project. So if I were to drive up to this property so that our listeners get a, a picture of what's there, what what are we looking at when we drive up and park in the gravel parking lot in front of the garden? So we have, of course, our Heart for the City community garden sign up. And then it's the garden has a fence around it, and which we plan on, you know, uh, planting some grapevines along mm-hmm. the fence. And then when you walk into the fence, we are currently having a gazebo built for, so we can have workshops. And then, of course, when the kids come out, which they have been doing on field trips, they'll be able to have a place to sit under. We have four garden, ingrown garden beds, mm-hmm. and they're about 40 by 60. Wow. We have approximately, yeah, they're huge, 23 trees around the perimeter of um, citrus trees. Uh-huh. And so, you know, everything from lemon, limes, oranges, grapefruit, and uh, they've already started harvesting. We were able to give some to the school kids, and then they were going to pass them on to uh, the community, some of the homeless, you know, that they were serving. And so um, right now uh, we're excited because we had 19 4x8 garden beds built oh, wow. for the community. And there's a reason behind it. Uh, we found that there was a community garden in Tucson. One of our uh, previous volunteers said that they were having trouble getting people to come out to the garden. And so what they did, they had, they built these individual garden beds. And so the families would come out to the garden beds and plant their own, you know, plants. And some of the grandparents would just sit in their lawn chairs watching. And and just, it was just a real uh, great way of getting the families involved and to come out. It took them about two years Mm -hmm. of trying to figure out what to do, but. Once they built these beds, the families started coming out Got it. to the so, garden. So it sounds to me like one of the key pieces here was you didn't have any individual garden beds before. And once you put them in, it kind of drew the community in so that everybody could have their own individual garden plot. Is that the case? Well, I wish it was as simple as that, but <laughs> I we built them like five months ago. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things that I would keep me up going like, oh, my gosh, I thought, you know, of course, even at the beginning, I always thought that people would just flood to the garden because the whole concept of community garden is just, I think when I, I have so many people ask me, what is this? Even though it says community garden, they really cannot even begin to fathom that you can actually come to this place and and, you know, volunteer and, and reap in the harvest. And mm-hmm. so um, we built the beds, and we still did not have anyone coming out. I think we had one bed finally filled uh-huh. up with a family that wanted to plant. And so we had a huge event just most recently at the garden, and but we went door-to-door passing out flyers. I went and spoke at, you know, a school and to their, you know, to the parent group and just really started spreading the word. And we had a chef come out, a DJ. I know wow. it sounds kind of funny maybe for community garden, but we yeah. also had a local Zumba class. So we reached out to, I call them our, our business neighbors. Right. 
we reached out to them and said, you know, this is a way for you to get, you know, to reach out to the community, let them know you're here, but you can become a, a part of the community garden. And it was amazing. We pretty much had like 10 beds filled up in that one day of people just coming out and wanting to garden, nice. um, have their own individual garden beds. Yes, yeah. it was a huge success, but it did take some time. Right. Right. So what are some of the common myths about starting a community garden? I'd say the biggest myth is that it just seems like, because I, maybe this is just me, but it seems like it's just, it's outside, it's gardening, it's, you know, let's get the soil, the plants in the ground and mm -hmm. the hose or we can water it if we don't have a watering system and, and let's get it, you know, let's get it going. And that was really my thought when I was first approached on this. And I think I shared that with you and you gave me that big smile that, <laughs> And, and that was not the case. And so um, that's one of the biggest myths. I think also is, you know, when they say that phrase from that movie, when if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily the case also. I feel like that's another myth. It's really getting out there and knocking door to door and just being there consistently, being dedicated mm -hmm. and letting, mm -hmm. you know, pe letting people know that you are a part of their community and you really want to be their neighbor and you know you have something wonderful to share with them and you know as soon as I see people even passing by I'm waving I'm greeting I'm saying hi and hey um, do you like to garden and so I've that just being friendly and open and and showing people that you know you are there to to make their community a better place yeah so it sounds to me like the, the both of those are similar and that is that it takes a, a fair amount of work, consistent work over time, and reaching out into the community. Is that what you found? Most definitely. And I'm glad you brought that up because it, the work, it's, it is a lot, a lot of work. I, the hours and um, the planning and there's so many steps to putting a garden, you know, a community garden, at least in uh -huh. my experience. For what we wanted to accomplish because it is a revitalization project so we did have you know guidelines that we had to follow um i've learned so much but yes it takes a lot of dedication and there's some days you know <laughs> you wonder if it's going to you know take off but if if you just have to stay committed yeah super committed to what you believe in and what you're what you believe the you're you're trying to accomplish and to that goal of of you know getting the community involved yeah, this is one of the key pieces that I found over and over and over again in community gardens and school gardens. And that is you have to have that one person that says, this is my garden, no matter what, I'm going to make sure it's successful. Because on the projects that I have seen over the past almost four decades where there wasn't that person, the gardens didn't succeed or the, in, you know, in my case, a lot of fruit trees, the fruit trees didn't succeed. So it's it, that I think is one of the key pieces and that's what you're speaking to, right? Right. And I do want to add to that. I want to, you know, tell your listeners that you, like I did not have a green thumb. I really didn't know a lot about gardening, but I really believed in it. And I just was committed to following through and making it happen and so you just have to keep 
moving forward. And Mm -hmm. there are going to be a lot of times where you, you know, (laughs) of course you're going to look back and say, wow, I wish I maybe could have done that a little bit different, but, um, but you just move forward from where you're at and just keep moving forward. And the wonderful thing is you meet so many neat people that if you don't know the answer, give, you know, give somebody a call. There is always someone out there that loves to share their gardening experience. Yeah. I, they're wonderful people because <laughs> they have such a big heart. Right. Like you. Well, <laughs> like thanks. you, Greg. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So is there one hurdle that you faced that, that you had to overcome that you'd like to share? Um, the biggest hurdle I think that I had to overcome was just getting the community involved mm-hmm. to really, at first they thought we were ha- that we were putting animals, we were going to have some type of animals in behind the, the gates <laughs> or the fence. And then they thought it was going to be a parking lot. And I, I still, um, well, probably not up until this weekend, I just felt the biggest hurdle was letting them know that it it was the community garden mm-hmm. is there for them. It's your community garden. And I remember these cute little kids peeking through the gate at me and, or through the fence because uh-huh. it's a wire fence. And they were like, can we come in? <laughs> and I said, "It's yes, it's your garden. You can come in. And then can we pick that lime? And I said, sure, you can pick a couple of limes and, you know, take them home and come back. And so, you know, it's just so funny to think that, you know, they thought it was you know, closed off and they had to ask permission to come into their garden. (laughs) Well, and that's just, you know, that's part of getting the message out to the community. Hey, come and play. Exactly. That's why I told someone, come and play in the dirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Any lessons you've learned from your community garden? I've learned so many lessons. I I think the biggest lesson I have learned is that there, there was. I had to wear so many hats uh-huh. throughout this process because, you know, there was a lot of things I didn't know, and um, so of course, you know, definitely um, growing a lot as a person in my skills and learning. Um, sometimes that I didn't realize that I had some skills or gifts that I never knew about. Yeah. So I think the biggest growth that I had was just. I, I just I feel completely like a different person. I think that's what these projects do to you when oh, you're yeah. really stretching yourself. You come out of it like if I was thinking about that t- two years or someone would have told me three years ago that I would have been doing this, overseeing this revitalization project. I would have said, "Oh, you have to be crazy." I, <laughs> I that, there's no way I could do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I don't know a lot about every different you know topics. How could I do that? But you just take it each day as it comes, and, and again, you just it, it forces you to grow and to reach within yourself and and have a lot of you know confidence in you know what you can accomplish. Yeah, yeah. And as now, an individual. And now you're on a podcast sharing about it. There you go. Well, see, uh-huh. this is a whole other thing. Here I am. <laughs> so, I would have never guessed that. There you go. So, what support? and or resources are available for community gardens out there? I'm so glad you asked that question because it really has been um, a learning experience for us. And the reason I say that is because community gardens, you know, a little bit different and not many people, you know, realize like what is a community garden and, 
you know, who would like to be involved in a community garden. But I think the the first place is um, looking around the perimeter. Well, I want to say, I was going to say perimeter, but the businesses uh-huh. in the area and go and start sharing your story. Sure. Share your vision of what's going to start taking place at the community garden. There's businesses that do want to get involved. And, and I think that people will be surprised once you share the vision that they, you know, whether it be providing water or like we were chosen for Lowe's, um, their Heroes Project Award. They came out and they helped us build those um, 19 4 by 8 garden beds, uh-huh. partnering with schools, um, reaching out to the farmer's market. They have been wonderful, wonderful, mm. the Glendale Farmer's Market oh, yeah. to work with. They actually you know, give us the free space to be able to um, sell the vegetables there if we would like. Uh-huh. Um and they like to partner with us. They come and volunteer at the community garden. You also have, um, we've been to the colleges, and we've had a booth there, and we've talked to the students, we, you know. And so really it's just getting out there and doing a lot of networking. And um, the one group that we partnered with was an AmeriCorps group. Oh, yeah. And they were uh, called Public Allies, and they were amazing. They, you know, and it was just by reaching out to one of their program leaders and she knew about Heart for the City, and the more uh, I kept in contact with her, and that's another key, is keeping in contact with these people, always sharing what's going on at the garden. And once I contacted her, it was just perfect timing. They were getting ready to select a nonprofit to do a sustainable project with. Oh, my gosh. And just... Yeah, the timing on that, Greg, was just amazing. And that's how we got the beds filled up. I really believe was partnering with these young, upcoming leaders who put so much time and effort and heart into really wanting to work with, with our community garden and making, you know, having the sustainable project succeed. And so the, their their contacts and resources are definitely out there. You just have to, you know, spread the word, get your, you know, keep meeting with people and telling them about what your vision is and what you're, you know, what you're trying to do for the community. That's, you know, throughout all of our questions so far, that seems to be the central theme. Communicate, 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 reach out. So, yay. Good job on that. Yeah. And don't just stop reaching out. I can say truthfully, some of the people have, it's taken me probably 10 times to reach out to them and, you know, and then that 10th time, it's something, it's just the, the right time, you yeah. know, and it's not that they don't want to get involved. Maybe it's just the timing wasn't right. So, yeah, yeah. be diligent. <laughs> Keep reaching out. Cool. What's next for the Heart for the City Community Garden? What's next for the garden is um, we definitely are going to be having a um, school program. So, I would like to have, and along with Joe Erquist, the director, have the kids do a science program and come out that's mm. approved, state approved, mm-hmm. so that they can get credit for coming out to the garden. So um, working on putting that in place. We have had field trips to the garden, but I, I definitely want to have a, a, a program that all kids can you know, go through and, and tie it with the school right. program. We also want to uh, use one of the four by eight garden beds to start a group up for people that want to, you know, my passion is, of course, is to have uh, better health and wellness and be able to eat a lot more whole foods, greens, you know, vegetables Mm -hmm. and fruit and change, get them off the medication and change their lifestyle. Um, We have one person that is a testimony to this and she's really just lost 140 pounds and so we're going to start a program 
for people to learn more about the benefits of eating you know, healthy vegetables from the yeah, garden and at wow. the same time have them garden, learn how to grow their own mm-hmm. food. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are just two of the programs that are coming up for the garden. But I believe, of course, more workshops now that we have our gazebo in place. Right. Excellent. 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 Well, good job, Jenny. Well, thank you, Greg. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. That was one of the things I talked to someone about one time is failure is hard to share sometimes. But then I realized that when you share the failures that you're really sharing a way for others to succeed. And so I felt for me, um, one of the biggest failures I felt, you know, of course, in the years that we've been, I've been doing this with community garden in my life is that I just felt like I was struggling with getting people to um, come out to the garden. And I know I've spoken about that before, but for me, it was a failure because without the people at the garden, mm-hmm. community garden, it was not a community garden. It was just a garden. <laughs> yeah. So I feel that that was one of my biggest obstacles that I had to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you consider your biggest success then? My biggest success is this community garden and for Heart for the City, it just, um, having having this this dream this vision this project come to fruition and it's i look over the garden and i just i'm amazed mm. and we always point to the lot next to us and we say that is what it used to look like yeah. and this is now what it looks like and it is night and day mm-hmm. and that day that day part that's that's my my biz, biggest success that i have to say to to yeah. this point in my life i I love that garden, and if you just stand in the middle of it, it's just amazing. Hmm. It's an epic garden, that's for sure. We'll have some uh, photographs from you on the show notes page, so people will be able to see it. So what? Dri- great, that would be great. So what drives you? I I feel like I've always been driven by by helping others to realize their full potential or, and also um, to make a difference in people's lives. And I know you probably hear that a lot, but there is something to be said for that. I was told by one time when I was speaking that, wow, you've done so many great, great things. But I said, you know, everything I've been involved in um, has, I, I just see the people and the changes that a person can make by getting involved in their community and getting involved in others. And it changes their lives. The time you put in, the relationships you build, and the love that you, of course, you know, put in. Because I believe, you know, that's part of it. You're, you're helping, you're, you're being the guide on the side sometimes, mm-hmm. but you're also, you're walking side by side. And so I think it's just seeing the changes that I've seen in people's lives and that light that comes on for whether it be young kids or older adults or any age. It just seems like there's this light that comes on and they're, they're smiling and they're, you know, you've made a difference in their life. You can see it. It's visibly seen. Yeah. So I'm going to actually rephrase that a little bit and I'm going to say you, Jenny, have made a difference in their life. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, often we put it out there, you know, in the in the big you and we don't claim it for ourselves. And I've seen the work that you've done over the past 
three years that we've worked together on this project, and you have created this. This is awesome. But, Greg, you know, thank you for saying that so much from the bottom of my heart, but it really it really has just really made my life. I know, you know, people say, you know, to own it, but I, I can't tell you <laughs> what it means to get up every day and then to see these people and the difference it's made yeah. in their lives. Yeah. Changes your life, doesn't it? It certainly does. Yeah. Yeah, that's why th- this gets to the heart of why I do what I do as well. It's like, you know, when, when you know that you're changing people's lives like that, it just make for me it makes it worthwhile how about you 100% 100% I mean that's like you could put that sign up that's why you get out of bed every day you know (laughs) it's that driving force yeah exactly well thank you thank you thank you so I'm all about education and I have to know is there a book that has been influential for you in this process in your life I love love books and there always seems to be, I call it like a, the se- when I have a different seasons of my life, these uh-huh. books, you know, pop up and, you know, they seem to land in my lap. The one book that I can say that I've really used quite a bit throughout this project is called David Emerald's The Power of Ted, and it's called The Empowerment Dynamic Triangle. So really what I love about that book is it's always had me focus on how can I see every situation that I'm in, Uh um, every walk that I'm going through, whatever it, you know, anything challenges that come up or even individuals that might not be the most positive people, but to always see where can I be the creator challenger in this situation with a project or relationships or anything. So when I say creator or challenger, I'm saying there's always a way to create something positive out of the situation, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then a uh, number two, there's always a way to, to challenge yourself to say, I'm not going to stay in that place where I'm, you know, that's going to keep me stuck in that sustainable mode. I'm going to move forward and challenge myself to, you know, to reach out and see how I'm going to get the community involved in the community garden, for instance, mm-hmm. or, you know, how, you know, how am I going to get this gazebo built, you know, what can I do? So it's always been in that creator challenger mode, if that makes sense. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That was the, called The Power of Ten? Ted. I'm sorry. Ah. T-E-D. Ted. So which stands for the Empowerment Dynamic Triangle. Ah. It's a different read. It's not in a, um, you know, like a psychological type reading. Um, uh-huh. It's more of a reading where it gives a story of a man that is, you know, he's, He's at at a certain point, and and by him understanding of changing your the way you see situations in your life, that you can move forward and achieve your goals and become a creator and a challenger in your life. Mm-hmm. Meaning, challenge yourself to step up and and you know and stretch yourself and be the best that you can be, yeah. and to see positive things in in everything that you're trying to do. Excellent, excellent. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? The biggest advice that I would love to, you know, just encourage to be a cheerleader, you know, rah, rah, go, (laughs) you know, take this tip if you can, hopefully, um, is to be persistent and committed Mm -hmm. and dedicated. Mm -hmm. And maybe those overlap each other, but don't give up. Don't give up. If you believe in it and you think it's going to make a difference, 
in your life and other lives, you know, go for it and, and just keep, you know, stay on task, stay with it, don't give up. Because I tell you one thing that I've learned, when you do that, doors start to open, people start to come in your life, and your path, I call it the path with heart, it starts to change. Mm. And I'm telling you, it's almost like that. Things start to, to happen automatically when you just, you know, you're, you're persistent, committed, and dedicated. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Jenny. It's been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you so much, Greg. And I just have to say, I want to, you know, thank you so much for believing in our project and, and really just being a mentor for us and, you know, just, just helping us every step of the way. So my heart, you know, goes out to you because you have played a role in this community garden. And I want to thank you so much for always, you know, let just giving, being there for us, definitely being there for us. I, we appreciate it. Well, it's, it's my pleasure. It's definitely, uh, a fun thing to be able to do. So thank you. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? They can go to our website, which is www.heartforthecityaz.org. Mm-hmm. And then once they, they can click on getting, you know, getting more information and give them their, you know, they just have to, you know, it's a pretty basic website yeah. page. So just put in their information and someone will get back with them right away. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org backslash heart for the city. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed 
or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.